0: I'm really fascinated by the takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. Also, Jack Dorsey has an interesting role to play, having been previously the CEO, but of course yep. he's the founder of Square. And there's a link there between both of them, learned this morning, because they were both really early investors in Bitcoin, but also making Bitcoin available as a payment pipe in their enterprises. So there's a really interesting narrative here in society where, okay, let's take the Twitter algorithms and make them open source. What does that mean? I believe Elon's doing that so that he can make it more transparent, people can make the product better and then therefore it actually builds that trust in the technology which is a really interesting slant because contrary to popular belief people think censorship or people think social's bad you've got a guy going against the grain very publicly being criticized all the time and it just makes you wonder what is actually going on here
1: censorship to me is twofold and i'm not sure if you have the same belief but from my previous experiences in the military i understand censorship in in a different way that is more broadly accepted for me, when I was in the military, I had a security clearance at the top level, the highest level, uh, and was exposed to many different things from national secrets all the way through to operations that ever get released. And there's a reason why they have been censored from the general public in the best interest of public safety or for, for national security. I know that's thrown out a lot over in, in the States, but. It's a real thing and there there is a requirement. Send it. I
0: put my hand up. So thanks all you need to check to Ben. Yeah. It talks about military censorship and even yeah. moral censorship because censorship is suppressing or restricting information, public knowledge, and that can actually be for the good in those examples you gave in a military censorship perspective could be used to counter espionage or keeping military intelligence and tactics confidential. So there's a very real outcome to censorship in that fashion.
1: Yeah. And it's absolutely required so that there's two sides to censorship here, one that I've been exposed to, and you've potentially been exposed to as well in the military side to to thwart things like espionage, counter espionage and, and insider threat. But then on the flip side, there is internet censorship, which I don't know if you realize started when the internet made its way and China were, was the biggest firewall. It was called the Great firewall at the time, because they started censoring other nations websites from impacting Chinese population and the belief structure that was established in, in the Chinese regime.
0: Would you say that's where the negative connotation towards censorship comes from and particularly given the link? the competitiveness between western and eastern cultures
1: would i say that's where it started i would probably say yes that social
0: narrative really
1: i think that's right the social narrative started there because it was the media broadcasted it as a bad thing i'm sure that the chinese government were just trying to protect you know their people and their way of life and and however that unfolded but from a more western society we saw that as, as a thwart to stop free speech as a thwart to stop freedom of knowledge freedom of information and that was classed as negative censorship and for me that's where the social narrative started yes for sure
0: Yeah, there is a global changing economic power in China. There's a whole lot of literature that I find really interesting on that whole dynamic alluded to it previously with even Ray Dalio's literature on the changing world power and his economic theories. But why did, why do we link the internet censorship from the great firewall in China to it being a negative thing? Because fairly, we don't really know the motives behind why that occurred.
1: Yeah. It's a great question. It's well asked.
0: I want to link that to misinformation. So you see now internet censorship coming to the fold, the media blows up about it. There's a negative narrative, the East and Western competition, changing world power and everything, but then what narrative do you believe? And where does the truth lie? Because what's factual and what is misinformation, particularly in the digital age?
1: It, it loops right into Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and, yeah. and what he's, and what he's trying to do there is to bring the source code of Twitter and make it open source. So that they can have true and what is perceived to be true visibility, true transparency on the platform. Now that's a complete argument in itself in, is that the best use case to to do for the platform, for the people that use the platform and how does that affect the monetization of that platform for the investors?
0: Yeah. And he's really championing the free speech and the free market democracy. So I I want to read out a quote that I took a note on from Elon today. I love
1: Elon quotes.
0: Elon quotes, strap in. Another shout out to John and Suze. I know that he'll be lapping this episode up. So Elon Musk said during his takeover of Twitter, which there's more revelations now because it seems a bit bumpy at the moment, but we'll come back to that point. Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product of new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeat the spam bots and authenticate all humans.
1: So much often that quote. So that's why Twitter was created. It was created to be the soapbox. It was created to be the town square soapbox for anyone and everyone to have and talking to the amendment structure of the US to have that freedom of speech.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's a few things that jump out for me there. The future of humanity. It's a big phrase that I gravitate towards. And so then if you look at taking Twitter and the algorithms and the technology open source, you get the trust and the transparency. You can make the product better. Elon's actually been criticized publicly at the moment for going against the Twitter non-disclosure agreement because he publicly said, percent of Twitter users are spam bots. Yep. So I'll just take a small focus group of a hundred people randomly and I'll invite everyone else to do that as well. And let's determine what are the fake users. But it's like he, his intentions are to remove this the spam and to authenticate users and actually make the platform better. I don't really question that.
1: I talk about authentication in my day-to-day job every day. And for me what stood out was authenticating all users. Yeah. That's that is critical for every platform, not just Twitter. And I hope that a lot of other platforms adopt that mentality to authenticate all users. And to ensure that they are human-based i was going to say there's always a need for AI platforms one that comes to mind is moveworks and and the chat bots that are around there and they need to be authenticated by the organizations that in, empower them to to be an active ai bot uh, so yeah. there will be of course use cases for ai in um, certain platforms like twitter and facebook and, and what have you but those authentication paths need to be authenticated by a human on the other end based on their license count etc
0: yeah for sure in the digital sphere if we can actually remove all the fake scams, all the fake profiles, all the misinformation, like we've been speaking about, that'll actually make the world a better place. So why, why not open source? Even when I was speaking to Nolam and Avi in a previous episode, it was just like, why don't we take an open source approach to the frequently asked questions around cybersecurity at the board level? Because yeah. I believe two minds are better than one, let alone millions or billions of minds contributing to an outcome. It's collective intelligence. Like you, you get a better diversity of thought and you inadvertently then. And pretty deliberately improve a product and an outcome by having that contribution in an open source fashion.
1: Absolutely. Hey Gabe, I'm not sure if everyone that's listening understands what open source is, so perhaps I'll give a bit of an oversight onto what open source is and what it means. So open source denotes software for which the original source code is made publicly and freely available. And, and that means it's allowed to then be redistributed, modified and changed to the customization of the, the user. Some of the biggest open source platforms that, that we use currently are things like Mozilla Firefox as a browser. You can completely customize that end to end. All my tech friends are putting their hands in their heads right now because I've mentioned <laughs> Firefox, but Linux is, as a distribution system. Uh, and one that I am starting to become more au okay with is LibreOffice, which is a similar vein to Microsoft Office, but it's completely free and it's customizable to the end user their source code is open source which means that it's completely customizable it's it's there for everyone to adopt it's there for everyone to customize change and make uh, use of in their own in their own way
0: nice so there's a few examples and what about the benefits to open source
1: there's it's a double-edged sword uh, and that's my belief on it double-edged the benefits of it is that you get people that are innovative you get people that are creative and and are able to explore and push the boundaries of what that code is able to achieve and you know things like mozilla firefox it's a great example of what people can do with that LibreOffice to me, and, and the reason I'm where about that is because i found it yesterday and I'm I really keen to get more into it today, but your Microsoft Office, for instance, is paywalled from end to end. Whereas LibreOffice is free. And with that, you're able to integrate the known Excel with the known word, with the known PowerPoint and create the office application of all applications. If you wanted to, you can essentially have. Uh, a document that has a word page, creating a Excel page, creating and a PowerPoint slide. They're ready. And you can integrate the three to become a single presentation. For instance, you just can't do that with a, with a closed source code, similar to Microsoft office. And then on the flip side, Gabe is what could be done with that It can be taken. It can be created and it could be the dark side of of the internet can take over.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, Ben, what are the threats with open source software? Because surely I could just jump in as a black cat, throw in some malicious code into the source code. And then lo and behold, I've just proliferated. Malware, ransomware, around the globe.
1: Took the words right out of my mouth. Took the words right out, <laughs> out of my mouth. It, you really can. You can proliferate malware, whatever xware ware you deem necessary through open source. It is always a risk with anything open source. And, and that's why it's really up to the end user on, on how they want to take an open source platform.
0: But surely there's contributors that are making the software safe and secure. Yeah, there is. We've got technologies as well that can help with that CI, CD cycle. Continuous improvement, continuous development cycle, where they're actually making sure the secure, the code is developed in a safe and secure manner. It maybe even yeah. if it is open source.
1: Yeah, that's right. There are platforms. Again, they're paywalled. There is open source CRCD tool sets. Again, you're still running the, the risk of what is in the back end. but there are a lot of organizations that, that I talk to. There are a lot of organizations in the world that are at enterprise and beyond that adopt open source platforms and create their own platforms, make it open source so that they use the power of the economy of scale in people to innovate for them it's a way to create platforms fast and develop speed to to result by leveraging the power of the people to innovate on behalf of
0: yeah and to your point before it's like we sit as quite open-minded conscientious people to say how do we play devil's advocate what's the potential downfalls here but what are the potential benefits here
1: so for Me personally, I think open source is is a great tool. So I swing my, my axe more towards the benefits of open source than the nefarious side of open source. You you see a lot, there's nefarious things in there, but generally it's weeded out pretty quickly by the mass. And so you've got, you've got the greater good of the the majority of people on side with open source than you do the nefarious side. Now that I said that someone's going to go and create something at LibreOffice, I'll download it and it's going to just destroy my machines.
0: Yeah. I'm actually not a massive user of Twitter, but I hear that it's quite the battleground from all of the social media platforms, but if it's. Yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic to be using the platform, but then seeing a shift potentially in the future. It does become open source, and what the changes to the technology is. Even recently, with Elon t- tweeting, the news feed actually will rank things based on certain metrics and algorithms in the technology itself. And so then he suggested to the audience, go and click it, so it's chronological because it's manipulating you. That even kicked off Jeff Dorsey responding as the former CEO and being like, well, "It's not actually intended to manipulate you. It's intended to give you the most relevant information that's applicable to your." Interests. So then, I think to myself, potentially not in a m- malicious way, was that intended to be designed. But again, what we speak about, Ben, which is the unintended consequences. It could be influencing your thoughts if you're seeing things over and over again. The technology is being designed like that. Capitology is influencing behavior in the psyche. If you're seeing things ranked in the newsfeed, which sounds like a pretty simple feature that we're pretty used to, but let's think twice about what am I actually exposed to here? Is this actually what I choose to be exposed to? How could I toggle between different options to? Again, experiment, or see what I resonate more with over other, so very interesting dynamic, even again, talking about socials, censorship, misinformation, what's actually happening in the social narrative at the moment between the Twitter takeover and even Elon and Jack Dorsey, but very interesting link again to some of the things that we've been speaking about.
1: Two things that you triggered me and (laughs) triggered in a sense of one good, one bad. The triggering started with choose. You mentioned you choose to see in a newsfeed. You're absolutely right. We as, uh, subscribers to the platforms should have the right to, to see, it. we should have the right to what is presented in our newsfeed. Uh, and we should have that choice. Uh, at the moment there's algorithms that are designed to present us information that is perceived to be what we wanted to see. <laughs> I was looking at our holidays in Greece yesterday, and now my entire newsfeed is built up with advertisements on, on Greek holidays and, and holidays around that vicinity, which is great because I am going to book that. But it's not something that I subscribe to. It's yep. something that, that has been impacted by the algorithms. And then the second piece, I've had a complete mind blank and I've gone on another rabbit hole, but algorithms, do you want to go for it?
0: Do you remember when that started to be noticed in the community? People were like, I was just talking to my mum about holidays in Greece. And then I looked at my phone and it's the device has been listening to me. Everyone had massive freak out.
1: Yeah, it's great though because if, if you want to use the, the good side of it, you can hold your phone into to your wife's phone and say birthday presents for husband fresh Nike kicks. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's true; it'll pick it up. Where I was going with that, uh, the second piece there is the algorithm side. Algorithms are mathematical equations essentially that are designed to run outside of the source code to bring information to the source code as the engine to then deliver an outcome. So for the users. Maybe I'll paint a picture before I I get to the point. But for algorithms, the, it's like making the perfect Italian sauce. Here we go. It's like making the perfect Italian sauce for a five person lasagna. And I'm making that base sauce. In my kitchen, I've got Gabe's Nona's recipe. I add in the sand tomatoes. I mix the secret herbs and spices in, (laughs) take it for a simmer for 10 hours or however long it takes, uh, and it tastes perfect for my five person dinner. But then hold up, the neighborhood has smelled the flavors. They're outside my house. They want some. I then need to take that sauce and mass create it from one stock. So I bring in some extra cooks to the kitchen. We don't have that recipe. They don't have the source code, but are adding to the, they're adding to it based on taste. They understand the general premise of all, where, what we created the platform for, what the source for, but they're adding to it on taste to mass create that source. Think of it, uh, think of this as the first additive to algorithmic. And then let's say word gets out from there. They text their families so it text their families. Now I'm getting internet orders that are requiring even further mass production on a scale unknown to me. That's then stretched the source beyond the original intent. So the source code has just been. More additives keep getting added. And that additive is the algorithmic addition, similar to what's happening in technologies. These platforms like Twitter, like Facebook, Instagram, they were created in isolation. Zuck's a great example of that. And I use Zuck so we don't get Zucked, but it is, he, we created that in isolation for his university or his college. It wasn't intended to be this life defining platform that people use day to day across the globe. But that's where it's got to. And the source code has had to adopt to that mass change and that mass scale while stretching that, that source as far as it can go by adding or having that algorithmic.
0: Firstly, your brain thinks remarkably in analogies and metaphors. Secondly, it's not source code. It's source code. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> good. That's great.
1: But that's yeah, the question there is how far do you take algorithmic addition before you reinvent the source code? For me, Elon Musk's uh, asked to make Twitter's source code open source. It has the ability to be great, but you mentioned the chronological feed earlier in, in, your previous statement in, in an article I read that the, one of, one of the comments was while it's tempting to imagine all social media looking like the clean reverse chronological news feed you can actually find on Twitter. If, if you know where to find it, it's, it, it then has the ability to hold all other algorithmic content filtering or ranking entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that could be the detriment to the platform because some people appreciate the algorithmic addition in their news feeds daily and that gives them the the infinite scroll to tie back to our last episode okay. but in my opinion and, and others that are commenting on this and, and this is based on the texas law that's just been passed it's unlikely it's an unlikely outcome to get to that algorithmic content filtering for the simple reason of profitization or monetization
0: exactly and there's the big clincher isn't there as you just mentioned ben that comes back to having the choice what mm-hmm. do you prefer and for those who haven't figured out where that is perhaps we can just throw a demo up of twitter and show exactly where that lies we'll do some creative yeah. editing afterwards But yeah, do they really want to reduce the engineering behind the algorithms? Because that is where a lot of the profits from advertising and the predictive analytics behind the behavioral sites, which we spoke about, comes into why these big tech companies are exactly that big tech, the biggest companies in the world, because they've worked that out. And again, unintended consequences. They didn't actually realize that like Google only discovered Google AdSense as a product, ideated that as products and then launched into advertising. These tech companies weren't this profitable in their infancy. Or in the first decade of them being around, there was different revenue streams and then they cracked the code, so to speak. And then they figured out, wow, because of the social engineering or the social tendency we all have as humans, we want to share stories, talk about people, talk about events, talk about ideas. And then we've got this explosion of the network effect, all these nodes of communities, we've got decentralization and all these things that have just rapidly kicked off the technology. And so the unintended consequence now being, oh, there's actually an ethical dilemma here, oh, it's actually. Impacting mental health behind young the younger generation, the infinite scroll is keeping people on their devices for the majority of the day. So arguably there's unintended consequences, and now this is where governance and regulation and law and ethics come into it because it's having this impact on our society. It's a new tool, it's new technology. we're still figuring out we're even still figuring out to understand it. and then lo and behold, it's having all these consequences we didn't even think about. We could all get a little bit better in design thinking and forecasting, but I don't think people have malintention. I don't think people actually used to design technology to make it malicious or to have an adverse consequence on humanity, these things are unintended. And when they happen, we've all got to think, okay, let's analyze that. What's a better option? How do we educate people? How do we show them where to toggle that difference in ranking the profile feed? Because there's such a different host of features all available on my device. Where do I look? And then spring that conversation again into fruition to say, we didn't mean it to be this way, let's all figure it out. How do we better it? And that to me actually talks to the argument and the beneficiaries behind something being open source.
1: Great right, explosion. So Dave, where do you think then there needs to be uh, a regulatory authority for platforms like this, if they go open source or if they maintain their privatization?
0: How do we work out how to bait that authority and that regulation, that governance into the open source methodologies to then make the better outcome?
1: I'm really keen for the listeners thoughts on this, this is, this is an open conversation and, and I'd love your thoughts on it because it's going to impact all of us. I always go back to you know, where my children will be in and the impact that social media will have on them in the next generation. They already know what Instagram is. They already know what, they, like they pretend to make YouTube videos and, and they're nine and seven it's already impacted them in their development to this age. So where does that take them? If it's open source, will that create more opportunity for them as they grow? Will there be further opportunity by making platforms open source to monetize their own outcomes, especially with the metaverse making that an open source code has Significant impact to people's already, people's monetary, people's investment into that platform already.
0: What was the very famous? And again, this is when we speak about regulating and governing the open source argument. You take a look at inf- misinformation, mm-hmm. even take a look at the really famous Mark Zuckerberg trial by Congress in the US.
1: Plenty of great memes came out of that. That's, so
0: that's the state of the internet. It's just yeah. rinsed into memes that are hilarious. Yep. It's rinsed into 5, 10, 20 second shorts of. Mark Zuckerberg asking Congress and making them look quite silly. And so then that blows up on the internet because that's again, back to our primitive wiring and it gets more reshares and the meme economy. But then if you look deeper, there's an argument there to say that could be just a whole host of misinformation, because if you look beyond that and perhaps people looked at those shorts of Mark Zuckerberg being like, excuse me, like basically Congress not understanding basic technology functions. And then it's just like, okay, then that that erodes more confidence in our government institutions. And so then there's this societal narrative that comes back to how are the governments going to regulate our technology and be that authoritative and keep us safe when they don't understand the basic principles behind technology. The tech founders and big tech are able to move quickly, move fast and break things and pivot as the government and these institutions catch up. And then they can just go to the next thing and then it's Congress by fire and then Media blows up and then there's misinformation, warfare happening, and the state of the internet is all memes. So it's like, what is actually going on here?
1: It's hard to know what what to believe and where to go for accurate information these days. And and that's just true to to what you just mentioned, the state of the internet. It's also, you were talking to the people that are making those decisions at government level, not understanding. You know, basic tech, but are able to make laws it goes back to the recent law that was introduced in Texas, whereby it's, it's a new law where essentially media platforms above 50 million monthly us users uh, can now get sued for reducing, removing content people from platforms. And that has significant precedence on, on the rest. But the, the reason I bring that up is the judges, so that had been overturned already in, in a lower court, Then it got, got pushed to a higher court in, in the Texas state, once it got to the high court, the judges were confused. They assumed that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter were ISP and so therefore passed the law because they didn't understand why ISPs were impacting freedom of speech.
0: Internet service providers, yeah. It's even interesting, the contrast between that censorship law passing in an American state and then back to some of the media around Twitter and open source. In Australia, it's a dream to hear something like authenticate all users. So it's the seesaw around authentication censorship when to do it what is the law what is regulation perhaps a play in this what are tech companies doing how do you give power to the people how do users determine that security is everyone's responsibility how do i arm people with more information factual information to make their own informed decisions to keep themselves safe in an online environment then you have all these superstructures around us working out how to bring all of this to the fold still working it out and then it's just a mass state of confusion for all the individuals to say okay what is it that i actually do who is the authority that i understand how do i know that this is correct information if there was a way we could invent a product that could screen the data to say, this is factual, this is truth, this is not, give it a ranking, a scoring, whatever it is, that would make the internet a better place. How do we create that?
1: There's eight people listening right now that have already gone and uh, trademarked <laughs> that or you're absolutely right. And I've got a question for you, Gabe, and it goes on from what you were just talking to. Is the internet less free than it used to be? And is it, in your opinion, for the betterment of humanity? When the internet was created, it was open slather. It was open season for anyone to create anything. Mm. Yeah, we're talking about regulatory authorities. We're talking about the requirement for regulations to be baked into open source, Mm. to be baked into technology creation. There's an element of, and there is two sides to all arguments with the internet. Is it designed to be a free space for creativity? But my question to you is, do you think it's less free than it was designed to be? And is it to the betterment of humanity?
0: I think it's freer. There's this wave at the moment because you see these rogue operators posting whatever they want online. Elon Musk, he's brilliant. Neurodivergent. Is the wealthiest man in the world at the moment, the biggest defining companies at his lead. and you've got him posting very candidly his opinion on the internet. Now, the difference between Elon Musk doing that and Ben Sullivan doing that, you can both do that, but why I say the internet is freer is because Elon has the attention. There hasn't been a time in the last four weeks where I've seen something online that hasn't brought an article to me about Elon Musk. Someone retweeting Elon Musk, someone posting something from Twitter onto LinkedIn about Elon Musk. He has got the attention. So the internet is free because you can say whatever you want, but it's actually about the attention economy now. Where do you choose to focus your attention? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? Where is the information overload? How do you distinguish what's factual? So when it comes back to how free is the internet, it's free speech and all the rest, it's still there because the people that work with technology know how to leverage it and use it, and they get that attention. But then again, you've got some prehistoric institutions still working out how to best, and the nation states working out how to regulate it. But then it's it's that's not owned by anyone. It's just, I can pop a tweet up into the cloud and I can reach a global audience around the world within a matter of minutes if I've got the attention. And the network effect that comes with it, we're in a very history defining moment of time, because all of this is occurring in the digital sphere. You've got public figures, you've got global populations, you've got nations, you've got even the rise of blockchain and Bitcoin, you know, decentralized type of technologies, which is almost even leveraged to say, how do I actually Give more of an equitable and fair outcome to society because anyone can use it and jump on it. And you don't have to build big enterprises and be profitable and all the rest. And then you can also proliferate that across the globe where there might be lower socioeconomic nations or people. And so if they create an economy, launch an NFT, it sells for $100 million. Great. I'm the Nigerian creator who's just skipped all of the social classes there and one thing online. So I don't think that the internet is going backwards in terms of freedoms so to speak. I actually think that there's a lot of other. Superstructures around us that we're used to living within that are really shifting. If I launched an online company, if I launched a tech company in Sydney, I'm not going to be exposed to those censorship laws because I'm not based in Texas in the US. So I'd rather do that in Australia. But the thing is, if I launch a digital asset online on the Ethereum platform, I can actually become an overnight billionaire because of all the characteristics associated with Web3. So the internet is becoming a very interesting time in history because of all of these things are shifting. And it relates back to that third wave society that's happening where all of the power and the economics are changing and everything's at our fingertips. And we can actually choose again, where we spend our time and attention and how we create value from that, or where different energy spins up from. So big global shift around where the world's heading because of technology, people are figuring out, some people have cracked the code, other people have differing levels of attention. So you reach broader audiences and all of that's coming together to say, okay, where is this taking us now?
1: Wow. Where
0: is the taking us? If,
1: if I can add, we're, we're absolutely in a precarious position with the state of the internet at the moment. It is, we're seeing precedents being set rapidly and this Texas law is setting a huge precedence. Essentially they're limiting the social networks the social applications from de-platforming people as well that don't align with the, the general consensus of beliefs and inciting violence and what have you. A great example of that is, is Donald. But then from there is the creation of other platforms that sponsor those different winged approaches.
0: So let's also give the audience. So Donald Trump's actually banned from Twitter at the moment. So he's been censored from Twitter. That was a decision made by the platform. What can you explain the law in layman's term, Ben? So the Texas law is passed a bill just tech companies could be fined for censoring individuals. So it's a double edged sword sword, right?
1: It absolutely is. It's it's a double edged sword that doesn't just benefit Texas people. It could also benefit the platforms as well. Essentially it makes it illegal for any social media platform with 50 million or, or more US monthly users to block and it's, it, there's 15 words in the law that was passed. So it's, it's not, I say for 15, I've got a five hand up, but 15, 15 word law that was passed and, and restricts them from being able to block, ban, remove, deplatform, demonetize, deboost, restrict, deny equal access or visibility to, or otherwise discriminate against expression. It's so vague that law that it's, it allows for anyone and everyone to promote litigation against these uh, social platforms, but it's so vague in that the social platforms have. A way out through just the vagueness of the way that law was expressed
0: potentially banning someone like donald trump from twitter prior to the riots on the Capitol and the white house that happened if they had to have actually banned him prior to that because he actually antagonized that to occur you know, but, it, then it's, it's, but then it's you don't want the platform to be fine for that because then that's a ethical and moral debate then which is bringing it back to the censorship topic what does get censored and censorship online is actually a good thing especially if it relates to things that are obscene or questionable or pornography or it's illegal or censored in most jurisdictions around the world. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But then for a regulation or a law to be stated that the companies could be fined or whatever the case is, it's probably not the best outcome. So we've got to find a middle ground there.
1: It's I just draw my pen. It's a tip tap my leg every time I do a filler word and I draw <laughs> my pen to do it. It's that precedence that's been set. Donald Trump was one of the biggest precedences in a deplatform, deplatforming. de That was the, the layman's term for deplatforming. It's It's just simply to remove someone from the platform. Or yeah. a group or a, a consensus of belief across the group. which just de-platform, but the verbiage in that law suggests that they're not allowed to de-monetize or de-boost individual's, so. ability. Yeah, individual's ability to create is very vague. So essentially if one person, and this is my view with this law, if one person creates a tweet against a social media influencer who relies on that monetization of their brand on the platform and it negatively impacts their profitability, that can be seen as. Uh, a good use case for litigation against this act for demonetization. There's so much ambiguity to these laws and these precedences, which is where I was going at the start of this entire chat is I see both sides of censorship coming from that military heritage, there is an absolute requirement for it, but we need to be careful with what we do in terms of precedence. And and at the moment we're in that precarious position where precedence is being set. Yeah.
0: Interesting times for sure, Ben, and time will tell what the consequences are unintended, intended or otherwise. So see what the future holds for us. I'm ready. (laughs) Ready. Awesome. Have you got any dark mode stories from the community to share?
1: I don't have dark mode stories from the community to share, but I have had some really great feedback from our last episode that was released, great. specifically on some of the concepts that you and I do uh, or have done daily or previously. One I got was that they wish they had the courage to uh, adopt the uh, changes that you've made in you, and the other was the mind mapping exercise that I did to overcome uh, some things and understand the, the process my brain makes with short-term, long-term decision making. So um, there is some really great, great feedback from that, and perhaps there's another episode on what we we can offer the community to uh, dive deeper into those um, pieces in another.
0: Yeah. Nice. I've also gotten a bit of feedback as well. A lot of people contributing and suggesting guest speakers and feedback around what we speak about. So really appreciate that. It's awesome. Most important thing is to provide value around what we do speak around. And Mm -hmm. it's exciting because I love the energy coming from the community. So looking forward to the next episode.
1: Yeah. Maintain the rage for the listeners. Send us your feedback. Send it over.
0: Love it. Thanks so much, Ben.
1: Thank you, Gabe. Till next time.